um, that really caught me off because I just thought, yeah, you just show up just like I used to in corporations are like, actually, no, there's a whole different mental state that you need to be on on a daily basis that keeps you feeling strong and built for storms. Growing your home service business can be a pain in the ass, but we know you want to grow. On the Home Service Leaders podcast, we interview leaders in the home services to find out how they're building their companies so you can too. Hey guys, this is Nathan Young, founder of More Leads Online and your host of the Home Service Leaders podcast. I'm actually joined by Dave Sage, who is our head of sales and marketing at MLO, freshly back from Atlanta and the huge conference. Yeah? That's correct. Great time. Awesome. And you got to hang out with Dan Plata of Blue Skies. I did. And uh, it was great getting to know him. First time I've gotten to know him. He's a character and uh, he's a blast to hang out with. Oh my gosh. I hear you guys ended up having to hang out and uh, sorry, hand out koozies, but you couldn't actually fill those koozies with beer for everybody. Well, I, we did. Uh, not everybody <laughs> got a beer, but uh, they people, there was like a sort of a treasure hunt um, through the convention on the trade show floor and uh, people stopped by our booth to have a beer or bring your own beer. Uh, regulations are kind of loose in Georgia right now, so people can bring beer into the trade show floor and uh, we gave some beers out. Some people had their own and uh, everybody got a koozie. And then I left early, but the guys handed out koozies at the bar Friday night after a close of convention to make sure everybody knew who Blue Skies was. That's awesome. And of course, everyone who's watching on video can tell we're joined today by Beth Carr, who is the founder and creative director of Fortified Branding, which uh, forgive me if I butcher this, Beth, so you can correct me, but a company that applies the power of design and storytelling to help deepen connections with customers. Am I close? Very close. We just we also help companies through that design and storytelling be able to tell their clear narrative so people are very clear what is their difference maker and how can they help the audience uh, that they serve. Your career is fantastic. You've had uh, you were um, worked at LA Fitness, Sidecar, Vendini, Booksy. You are now the founder of your own company. And you actually have an interesting tie to the trade skills all on your own, right? Yes. So I have been married for over 25 years to a craftsman and woodworker, cabinet maker. And most of his friends also work with their hands, whether they're industrial artists or visual artists, as well as builders and makers. So surrounded by makers and then my career as a designer myself, there's just a lot of making to do and uh, creative solutions in how to overcome problems in your home, outside, on your pavement, with electrical, with plumbing, whatever it's going on. It's like, what is the creative solution? And so very used to that. And that's really where my heart lives. Well, thanks for being on the show with Dave and I today. I, I would actually love to hear in your words, like just how now you've had this career along here. Like you said, you've been married, paired up with this other creative person for decades. And so tell me like how you got, now you're a founder, you're running your own company. How has your story come all the way up to this point of, of us meeting in this making perfect sense, right? Tell me about how you have traveled through your story to becoming a founder. Well, my career started as a graphic designer where I was really uh, first in the financial world and helping banks like Merrill Lynch and JP Morgan tell a story by taking really dry data and actually making something interesting and visual out of it so that they could present to 
their clients. And then over the years, responsibility just grew as a designer, where all of a sudden I was then leading other creatives, whether they were designers or writers or UX events people, uh, being able to help lead them and produce deliverables for specific corporations that I was at. Another one in, in that long list is also working at Nestle. So how do you communicate something that makes the front line of the face of your business feel good when they're interacting with the people that they're serving that are the interface of your of your company because i was able to really apply the intersection where i stand between design and copywriting for a lot of different brands from startups all the way to these big companies um, what I realized is in watching them be able to grow and start to either get more investor money or hit big revenue goals that were intended by the end of the year through proper uh, marketing and a clear message, I was like, wow, I would love to be able to serve one to many instead of one to one. Um, so that was one of the ingredients. And then the other ingredient was I was always serially laid off. <laughs> marketing is normally, ironically, what every company needs, even if it's just simple, clear messaging and some design, and yet it's not always thought of as the next thing that you need to grow your business. So it's not always in, a, in an itemized budgetary line. And then once it's put into a budget, it's normally the first to go when companies hit hard times, which may not be always the best thing, but it is normally the first thing that people think of. And so I would lead these companies to grow. The economy would dip or they wanted to, or I would train other team members overseas to be able to carry marketing forward. And so they didn't need me anymore. It's kind of actually a good blessing, a double-edged sword, because I would give them all the tools. And so I just decided, hey, I want more control over my destiny and own my life so that I can also help entrepreneurs own their lives by empowering them with really strong marketing. I'm teaching them also to fish so that they don't always need me, but if they do, I'll help them cast the net. And so, yeah, it was a, just a really uh, big jump that I met, made at the end of 2019 after the fourth consecutive layoff in five years. <laughs> And it was always a heartbreak, right? I fall, I fall in love with the people I get to work with. And so that, that very day, which was just a few weeks before Thanksgiving of 2019, I said, okay, there's got to be a bigger course and purpose for all the talent that I have. What can I do? Well, it was the heart's desire. How do I serve many with what I know? And so uh, being a founder, it's a lot of hard work. You wear a lot of different hats. And what's important is then connecting with other really brilliant consultants and people that can share with you the goals that you have for the clients you're working with, which is how I met you, Nathan, right? It's like, hey, I need brilliant people who understand how to operationalize, systematize companies, help them with better performance and SEO, help them with insights. That's not my zone of genius. I know it's needed, but hey, here, share this with me, right? It's been a joy to be a founder because I get to bring people in, in the universe of making other people successful. 
No, that's awesome. I specifically want to call out the founder piece. So many people, and this tracks against my own experience, um, being, a, uh, it, I was in the bricklayers union. I never laid a brick per se. I was a, basically a stonemason, did a lot with concrete on the floor rather than, uh, n- never, never laid so much grout. But in my, even in my five years of experience there, I would see people who had a sort of a similar story as to what you're saying which is like they were sort of serially going from one company to the next. I never felt like they were bad people to work with or for. They would always they were always awesome on a team. They're always great at what they did, but then for some reason they would sort of get disconnected and then they would move to another team and move to another team. As I've grown in my own career, I feel like I've caught this perspective of like some people are just founders. That's just how some people are wired. And I can't imagine that of, of anyone listening to this show, you're probably either a business leader or thinking about it. And so tell me just a little bit about your experience now being a founder. How have you sort of reflected on who you get to be every day now? Yes, of course, it's challenging, but as a founder, sort of being the tip of the spear in your own thing how has that given you buy-in in something that, or fed you in a way that like, you couldn't ever quite reach um, when you were one of the people on a team before? Um, you know, People are always involved. And if people are involved, there are a lot of different egos and personalities and clashes. And it just so happened that I was most, most of the time always the only female in the room especially when you got into the startup world, there was huge egos involved. Why? Because they were putting themselves out in the forefront in front of all these VCs hoping to, you know, get millions of dollars to fund their app or their dream. And so to have that kind of cojones, you need to be able to have a very big ego that can handle a lot. So I would be wedged in a room with the people who had to be feel bigger than me. And I accepted that. But it's hard in my role to be a truth sayer when you have somebody whose ego is big enough where they it's hard for them to hear another opinion or a real source of truth that would help them. So what feels great now kind of being in my own environment is I get to make decisions. However, I still have trusted advisors. Again, I'm going to call out you, Nathan, where I'm like, hey, can I run something by you? Can I, I bounce this off of you? Ultimately, yes, it's my decision, which feels really great. But it also can be really like harrowing because it's like, I have to make a quick decision. I have to deliver something right away. I have to get to it because why? I need to deliver something so I also can, at the end of the day, get paid, which most people listening to this podcast, it's like, until I deliver whatever that is, I'm not going to get paid. So your decisions have to be precise in the moment and at the same time with the vision of how I'm going to serve them best with the highest quality. So I think the difference is just, I'm not sharing that responsibility the same way when there's other C-suite people in a room who are like, okay, that's nice. We're going to just take it from here versus I better run that all the way to the finish line. And if there are other people that I'm bringing along, like you, Nathan, with MLO, well, yeah, hey, come along with me. We're going to deliver this really great result to this client, which we've seen over and over again. We've put 
all these service providers back into the black and really successful, but it's, it's really like we need to run together. And I think that's maybe just me. I believe you need to bring people along with you. Otherwise it's very lonely by yourself at the top. Really well said. I would be curious if you don't mind, um, sort of, obviously I led you into that one, but give me like off the top of your head, three things that sort of coughed you off guard that you've learned since you became a founder of something. It's very easy for me to dig in and discover other companies' strategy and inner monologue to be able to communicate their brand message as well as what their design should be. It's very hard to do it yourself. As I say, it's very hard to read the label while you're in the jar. So that caught me off guard because I'm like, hey, I'm a brand specialist. I can do this. Uh, How do I talk about myself? (laughs) Very hard. Another thing that caught me off guard is marketing can be very, very powerful if done properly and done in a way that is, again, once again, about service and about how the company needs to be positioned as a guide as they help their audience, the hero, down a path. But what I found, what was really caught me off guard is there are so many marketing agencies, and I'm doing air quotes, which is so funny, people may or may not see that, that I even was a part of, uh, whether it was in a New York fast-paced agency or here in where I am. And there was a lot of talk and not a whole lot of walk, or there was a lot of marketing sold, but it wasn't helping move needles. And so all of a sudden I found myself opening up my brand consultancy in a sea of a lot of snake oil and and promise makers that weren't really holding to a promise. And so that also was really, actually, it was really um, disheartening. Well, it just goes like, I'm not going to take your money if I can't help you. And, and there are times where I've actually been on a discovery call with somebody. I'm like, actually, I don't think we're a good match. And, and sometimes it really is like, are you really ready? Are you really open to these suggestions? Because if you know it all or you are not interested, you just want me to fix it. I'm not going to be able to help you because it's a collaborative process. And the process goes really quickly if you're collaborating and ready versus when you're not. And I guess the last off guard is just uh, really caught me was, Success every day is really determined by mindset. And I didn't realize how much of a mind game it is. Just like when um, I'm a long distance runner, it wasn't until I actually was in the act of running long that I realized 98% of it is mental. The only 2% is physical, really, because you, it really is like your outlook. And so that really caught me off. So it's really important, especially when you're a service provider, and you have many different personalities and you're kind of in personal spaces with people to really have your own mindset or a, a routine that gets you in a mindset that is focused, that is positive, and that really has an end goal in mind from an, from a, an hourly to a daily to a weekly to a monthly to a yearly kind of goal, right? Um, that really caught me off because I just thought, yeah, you just show up. Just like I used to in corporations are like, actually, no, there's a whole different mental state that you need to be on on a daily basis that keeps you feeling strong and built for storms. Yes. It's so much more than, well, I I think there's two really strong things to call out in what you said. The first one is like, 
once you once you're it you don't get to just show up to go to work anymore like um that's a little piece of what you do is show up and go to work and really that's like two percent of what you're doing now like two percent of it is the physical 98 percent of it is the what am i doing why am i doing it is this strategic for my customer is this actually going to help them am i going to get paid enough am i going to be able to pay my next guy am i going to add another truck am i going to thinking about my business for the next year am i going to what am i going to outsource next when whatever and also leading teams right they're people who are they're they're looking you're the decision maker yeah they're like well what should i do this or that right and the more people you bring on also you're leading teams so all of a sudden you've taken your talent let's say it's plumbing well, now you're also managing people and personalities on top of managing your client relations, on top of managing bookkeeping, on top of, right? It's that whole like bottle washer, the whole yes. life yeah, cycle. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I think is really funny that you called out, Dave and I have this conversation all the time, obviously, because he's doing, uh, he's having conversations with prospects and clients and stuff. And just that, that sort of snake oil reality. I actually didn't get to ask Dave how many times people took a swing at him once he said he was a marketing guy at the Atlanta conference. <laughs> Nobody a lot of s- kind of squirrely looks at me though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a marketing I guy? love that. <laughs> yeah. I tell Dave all the time, I'm like, nobody has a worse reputation than the marketing people and the roofing people, right? Like we hang out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then roof and then roofer marketing people is that's as bad as it gets. <laughs> Actual snake oil people maybe are more trusted. Than mm. You and I both are. Uh, one of the ways that we met is this story brand community. Um, and that's uh, through, so either marketing made simple or um, building a story brand, these concepts. And so now you and I are story brand guides. Uh, we bought into this system, loved this messaging system. I've said that this is great for contractors, home service people. And I've had some pushback like, okay, well, what we do, aren't we all the same? Isn't it obvious to people? Why do we need something like that? What's your response to that? And, and like, how would you say you're utilizing your skills to improve these, uh, these home service or these trades industries? I love that you brought this up because I was just having this conversation. You know, that would be like, what is the purpose of each human being? Well, we're all different. And I know that might sound like, you know, we make fun of it. It's like, oh, you're a special snowflake. So I'm not going to go there. However, we all have a difference maker and we all have a way of approaching the world and a point of view. And so if we were going to line up the same industry, you use roofing. So you've got, you know, five different roofing companies within the same town, let's say, maybe not the same zip code, but let's just use Chicago, right? So you've got five roofers in Chicago um, that are really well known that might be competing for similar business. And they might say, well, well, how does that, how do I use something like this story brand framework? What they will dig into is what is your difference maker? How, what is your belief system? What is your philosophy? Because each one of those roofers may have a different philosophy. And it's more than just the bare basics, like, well, because you don't want a leaky roof, right? And so really when you dig into like, what is the philosophy behind the fact that you created a roofing business? And yes, it can be generational and it was, you know, it's, you know, 50 years and three generations and et cetera, et cetera. But what if that deep core value was 
because I love knowing that I have helped keep a family protected from a really hard Chicago winter and kept them warm and safe? Or is the value everyone deserves to have a roof over their head where they feel safe, right? So when you start to dig into that, well, then those five different websites for a roofing company, they're going to have different messages that dig into the business owner or the business leaders collectively. What are, what are their values? And that's really important to dig into. What are your business? What's your business mission and values? Just like people, uh, we all have a slightly different way of visualizing and verbalizing our mission, our reason for being here, our values. Now, we may collectively agree on certain points of view. That's what makes us a uh, community of humans that all maybe give a shit, but we still have our own way of approaching and solving problems. Oh, that's a fantastic answer. I had a, uh, I was really curious to see how you'd answer. I had one example of a roofing, a story brand a messaging guide that I did for a roofing company where they were like, look, everybody knows that nobody thinks about their roof as like a, as a positive thing, right? Like that. And that was their whole perspective. They were like, no, 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 let's just buy into that. Let's just buy into the idea that thinking about your roof is the least sexy thing ever, that it's always the only reason you're doing it is miserable. And let's just address it like head on. And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, I'm all in for this. Like, and so uh, I don't remember exactly what their homepage said at this point, but it really was like, so you got here because shit has gone down. Like, <laughs> and it was that, and they, they were really on the idea of selling like maintenance plants. So they were like, the only time you ever think about your roof is because it's a disaster. So stop thinking about it ever. And I was like, yeah, I'm in for that. Like, That's great. So they leaned in to the pain that the consumer was feeling yes. most. Yes. Yeah. You know this. Not every roofing company is going to right, have any interest in leaning into that concept. Like It's not going to really be reflective of who they are. Those guys, sure, they took pride in their work, but they really bought into the idea of like, we solve this thing that nobody else wants to think about. And that's how we want to live and run our business. Mm -hmm. um, other roofers want to be like, we're the absolute best roofer in the entire, in the county. Like you're not going to find a better roofer, a more knowledgeable one or a more honest one or whatever. And th so there's a dozen ways, like you're saying, your vision, your values, you, who you are. Um, it's not just roofing, it's people. It is people. And, and because of that, it's really important for every business owner and their teams, as well as their salespeople to share the same script. What are you, how are you talking about the problem and how are you talking about how you, the company solves it? And the more empowered you are with those words, with that script that identify that those points, then you're able to have those exchanges, whether you're, you know, you're at the Super Bowl party and it's, you know, commercial break and you're talking to somebody new and they're like, Hey, what do you do? You're able to be like, most people don't think about their roofing until it's too late. So at Acme Roofing, we make sure that we've put in a maintenance plan where you never, you can live safe and warm for forever. Right. I'm like, where's your business card? 
so that's what we call an elevator pitch, right? And it's really, really important to have that kind of, or a one-liner is how they call it in StoryBrand, to have that one-liner. That's how your differentiator is, and that's how relationships are made. And by the way, that's a bonus to everyone listening. I have a, a link to the elevator pitch workbook for you guys to be able to utilize if you want at the end of this podcast. Heck yeah. Let's drop that in. We'll tag that in some comments on our posts on stuff. The question that I had is, uh, what do you wish home service and tradespeople were utilizing like in, in their design, in their when they're speaking to people. So you've got, you've got a, a homeowner, whether this is for roofing or plumbing or it doesn't matter, right? You've got a homeowner. They want something. So they're searching. And now this is my job. So MLO is helping them get found, right? So their uh, homeowner is going, oh, I, I need new cabinets or you know, I have leaky whatever, or um, my sewer is clogged, yada, yada. So they search their problems. My job as an SEO guy is to go, okay, cool. Well, our client ranks for that. And now you are really considering what is happening between the customer and their mental space. They've clicked on the thing. They, the website pops up in front of their head and they go, here are the words and here are the pictures. And what are things that you're seeing that we, as in the industry, in the home services, we should be doing better? What, what are we missing? Wow. I love this question. Okay. A couple things. Um, when it comes to your website, that first, what we call the hero image, or sometimes what they say technically is above the fold, if you're on a laptop or a, or a monitor, right? And a desktop, anything that goes below your screen is called the fold. Um, so everything above the fold, which is that big image, you need a headline, that really addresses what does success or transformation look like for your customer on the other side of your services or product. So you already want to paint a picture for them. So again, we'll use roofing as an example. So if it's something like enjoy the winter warm and safe, I've just painted a picture of what transformation could look like after roofing. And then uh, what's also been important in that above the fold moment is to then state, so who are you and what do you do? How are you going to solve that? So you've just made that transformation. What's the next thing? Well, the next thing is a smaller little sentence, which is that one liner I was just talking about, which is, you know, at Acme Roofing, we do yada, yada, yada. And this is what success looks like. Another really important thing on your website is a big button. A lot of people are like, uh, you know, you have less than three seconds to tell the person who's visited your website who you are what you do and how you're going to make them thrive or survive. And then they go, well, what do I do next? Or how do I do business with you? You mean it's, it's what we've heard in story Rand. It's your cash register. So there's got to be a big button right in your menu that says book. Now call now learn more is passive. You just want to don't learn more. Call us book an appointment. So you need that. You also need to repeat that button throughout your website. You, as the owner, maybe like that button keeps appearing. That's really irritating. But you don't know from a user perspective, especially if they are now on mobile and on their phone or on their tablet, they're thumbing through your website quick. 
that button, let's just say it's a bright blue button, they're going to keep, you know, oh, look, it keeps saying book now, book now. Well, guess what? After a few times, they're like, I think they want us to talk, (laughs) right? They're going to get it. Yeah. So those are the three primary things that are super, super important immediately on your website that I think business owners, home service providers can do better. I also think there's a huge opportunity, a missed opportunity that happens a lot in home services and that is, or service providers. And that is, if you're really good at something, it may feel really cheesy and you may feel like you don't have time, but if you have time to check your Facebook and post something or check your kid's Facebook to see what they're up to, um, you have an opportunity to put yourself on a video, even if it's less than 30 seconds, record yourself talking about your expertise, where you could be, for example, you know, you've taken your truck, you're now on site and you could be like, hey, you know, it's Joe here and I'm here uh, at this job site. And by the way, let me just show you without, of course, exposing any of the clients, you know, anonymity. Um, I'm going to show you what a what a bad roof drop looks like. And you zoom in on like a leaky moment. And you're like, you know, you really need to have a certain flashing here et cetera, et cetera. Now I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm making up what I do know about roofing, but you zoom it in and then you post it. What is that doing? That is creating an audience eventually that goes, you know what? This guy is a guy or gal is a thought leader in the industry and knows what they're talking about. And because you're actually talking to problems that you observe, I know that you're trustworthy. Again, you're not snake oil. You're not going to take me for a ride. You're talking about real things in real life from your point of view, which makes me trust you. You should also post it not with the intention of, oh, I'm going to get followers and interest. Just post to post, post to share your knowledge. So those are two things that I think would be a huge uptick and help a lot of people in basic marketing. No, that's awesome. I want to go back to something in a different conversation you and I were having which is, so I want to call this one out specifically, which is that we were actually doing a design for a website and you asked me the question like, Hey, I see, I see all the pictures that are here on the website. And some of them were from the company, but you know, we'd had to utilize some stock imagery, which we licensed. Uh, and (laughs) we had a big wave of like, Hey, that's my image spam has been going around lately. So anyway, just throwing that out there. We always license our images. We had some stock images on there, but some images from the actual company. And you called out, you said, Hey, what, what are the demographics of the city that that company is actually serving? And I was like, that's a striking question. I don't think I've ever, you know, like, I could tell you the median income probably, but like, other than that, like, I, I don't really know. And you were like, well, did you know that it's like 50, it's over 50% Hispanic? No, of course I did not know that. Well, did you know that there are no Hispanic people on this website on anywhere on it? Like you can't actually find yourself if you are one of the local people looking at this website, which is literally what you do. They can't actually find themselves on this website. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I've never even thought of this before. (laughs) And so unpack that for me a little bit. Like, how do you, how did I, how do I have a 12 year career in web design and, and sort of like 
business strategy, whatever. And, but I didn't arrive here, right? Like that didn't enter my purview. Unpack that for us. Like clearly this is a giant blind spot. As soon as you said it, I was like, wow, I'm an idiot. And we've added that into our best practices, but like, how did I get here? And how are, how did you not end up here? Like unpack that for me. I think being a minority woman, I've always approached things like, where am I represented? Always. And then I also believe as a marketer, we have an absolute profound mission to be able to expand and be the messenger for a lot of companies that may also have that kind of purview that you're just talking about, Nathan. You don't know when you don't know, right? But when you do know, you need to do something about it. I think where it really, I'll just use, uh, I think the biggest thing was I want to continue to expand my mind and understanding how is it that growing up, there have been always people that have been ostracized, right? So how do I become more inclusive in what I do in a way that um, invites more people in? Especially when we are a home service, if you really look at your neighborhood, it may not be what you just see in your own family, right? It may not be what you only see in your suburb or just the next 12 blocks. What does your full zip code say? How do you find these things out? Well, U.S. Census Bureau is pretty phenomenal and it's free. You go online and when you look, it's mind-blowing. One of the biggest, coolest exercises I had to do a couple of years ago when I was leading this international team at the startup, a lot of these people were all over the world on my team from Brazil, which most people are very dark or olive-skinned um, and speak five languages. Actually, all of them spoke five languages except for us Americans. And then some of the team members were in Warsaw, Poland, which was very homogenous and mostly white. People in the UK, very mixed. And so very innocently, one of the social media managers on the Poland team was like, uh, showed me the content plan of what she was going to push out over the next quarter. And at the time, here we are serving barbers and hairstylists and nail salons in Miami. And what she showed me on these images were white, blonde, blue-eyed people. And I was like, okay, I want to show you something. And I, I actually made a PowerPoint with a graph that just showed the demographics for Miami. I was like, 98% are like a Latinx. The other 2% is next. Actually, I'm wrong. 95% was Latinx. Um, I think 3% was Black and other uh, minorities. And then the rest of it, that little percentage was Caucasian. I said, so because what this proves, one, we need to represent more Latinx and other races, even if it's mixed races, because really, again, welcome to beautiful America. We all like have so much mixed in now that we are of many things. And then the other thing is, um, this just highlighted to me, we need to start um, actually putting some of our social media all in Spanish. Why aren't we? If we're focusing on Miami and that's the target and that's where we serve and that's who we're serving. And most of these barbers and hair salons and nail stylists are also bilingual. Then why aren't we? Right. And so when you do the research, even if you're like, yeah, but I'm just a plumber in Chicago. Great. But what is within not only your zip code, but if you want to say all of, you know, Northern Chicago, what does that look like? If you just bring up something like the census report, you're going to, your mind is going to be blown 
and you may realize, oh, hey, I need to represent different people, places, and things. And sometimes it doesn't have to be people, by the way. I'll just say that. There are sometimes, depending on the topic or what you're doing, you might just want to show like one website I did recently, they wanted just all really cool graffiti art. They're in Chicago. Some of what's in Chicago, beautiful graffiti art, right? But you want to show something that represents the demographic of who you serve. Well, I think that's really striking because we just had this conversation, right? And I, I just admitted, right? And I'm like, oh, I've spent a dozen years in this profession and I'm ignorant about it. And six of those years were in Chicago. You're coming from this other perspective and you're saying, but you were on a team that was in, in what many people would call diverse at that point and still ended up with, and so I'm, I mean, we look at hundreds and hundreds of websites like this. And I can tell you that if you actually did this, if you went to do this work, of creating some diversity on your homepage or within the structure of your website, whether that's to represent your local space, whether that's to represent the actual diversity of your town, or, or frankly, and this is a whole other conversation, which is to, to more prominently represent the women on your team. And uh, for a whole dive into that, uh, be, uh, go check out our, our uh, podcast with Kate Cinema. If you did that, you would be the only one who did, right? It would be strikingly a differentiator to just acknowledge who it is that you serve. And um, we've already created, based on my conversation with Kate and Beth, my conversation with you, we actually came back and had a team meeting and we made some internal best practice policies that we were like, from now on, we will ask when we do a web design Hey, do you have women on your team? It is, it's one of our requirements now in web design that we display that person prominently on the website. It's part of your team, but we actually need to take a step further than that's nice. We need to take a step further than that and be like, no, we need to go after this actively and be representative of this. So anyway, I just want to- And I'll like, just add this, Nathan. I'll just add this because I had another client that um, did water filtration for residential homes. And uh, when they asked me to redesign the website after we nailed the messaging, they sent me their asset archive um, of paid for imagery. And it was all blonde, blue eyed families. And, and I addressed them. I said, hey, I, in your area, is that all you serve? She goes, no. And I was like, well, that's all you're showing you serve. And, uh, you know, but I brought it up because it's like, you decide. But to me, I can say this. They decided, no, that just feels like we're going too much into just being political and PC. So we're not. You know what that did for me internally? That said to me, you choose to not be anti-racist, to not expand your mind, to not decide to embrace more people. And if, and if I'm approaching that with this knowledge and more people are coming into awareness that they have to diversify their thought process to include more people that are not like them at all, um, then that is also sending a message about who you're not for visually. So once you know, even now with this podcast, there are decisions to be made. The trades is not known for its radical diversity. That's a conversation happening very much in the industries in general right now. 
right? Like um, we're facing this reality of, again, I've talked to Kate at length about this, but we're facing this reality of women being interested in the trades. And frankly, the trades need more people uh, desperately, anyone they can get. And so this idea that we're going to ostracize someone with a, uh, who is not white or that who's not a male is ridiculous because at this point we don't get a choice. Like we're, we're beyond even getting to choose anymore. Like we don't, if someone is willing to pick up a wrench or, you know, like, or the measuring tape, like we've, we have to take them and say, thank you, no matter what. So the idea that we're going to put up some of these gates in general, it's crazy, but the idea that we're not championing all together that we love these, this work, right? Like why, why does that, why does all that other shit matter? Like, let's just, Hey, you want to be a plumber? I like plumbing. Let's be plumbers. Like, like fuck all that other, whatever. <laughs> like let's just gather around the realities of the work and, and champion that. And so, yeah, I agree. If it, if it means that we have to um, continue having this conversation about, Hey, so we've been kind of dumbasses for a little while. Let's stop doing that. Let's get it into the public conversation. The trades is already having this conversation. Let's just acknowledge it and let's do our best to, to push that forward. Then great. And what's going to happen. We're going to get, we're going to be able to move away from the hiring crunch of the home services because right. Whoever gets the most inclusive first and makes it about the good work and great community, we win. If it can be us, it can be us. Like, so anyway, let's do, we'll do our part to the best of our ability. Dave and I are sitting around here as a bunch of white guys being like, yeah, well, we're going to try. <laughs> All right. I need to wrap up, but I have uh, my last section of the, of the show is always this one, two, three. And so this is, and I just kind of spring this on you. It's one book people should read to help them grow their businesses Two partner companies or groups that you'd recommend any trades company have, and three predictions for the future. And I normally ask one prediction in marketing, one prediction in hiring, and one prediction in, in just the industries in general. So I'll go all the way back to the beginning. So my first question is, what is one book that people should read to help them grow their businesses? Right now, I am so in love with this book. It's called We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. This is a, an incredible New York lawyer who really is trying to empower more women to dive into entrepreneurship and how they can serve and how they can change their mindset. So that, that really, she's saying, you know what? Six figures isn't enough to start changing communities in ways that we can all empower ourselves and our communities, especially empowering more women to be able to uh, create the businesses that they love. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I also really like the title. Uh, it's, a, it's a great book. I'm in. We should all be <laughs> We should all be millionaires. Yes. Two partner companies or groups that you'd recommend any trades company have in trades or home services. Partner company one, MLO. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Not because you asked me here on the podcast, but I have been able to see firsthand um, how you have helped so many companies get out of their own way digitally. You create a very clear path um, for growth as well as a strategy to get them there. 
I would say another partner company, um, as business owners, yes, you may be really great at your trade. That's why you're in business. But it is also really important to understand just how, how can you be a, a better business leader? And that's where um, Business Made Simple University, which is through the Story Brand Foundation. I don't know what we call it, but it's a really inexpensive, uh, I think it's like $200 for the year. And what you get are like daily business tips on how to be a better leader, how to communicate, how to hire, how to fire, how to operationalize and grow, how to scale. And then they have all these online courses. And I just think uh, um, once you have your business running to be able to continue to lead it where people love showing up to work and working for you is super important. That's awesome. Three predictions, one prediction around marketing, one prediction around hiring, and one prediction about the industries in general. My prediction about marketing, uh, everything will continue to be very digital. So the more uh, and the more of a print you can make on digital, meaning getting yourself more on video and posting it, um, taking more snaps of what you're seeing and posting your thoughts about it or a take on it, whether it's funny, whether it's straight, really will help continue to put you in front of the audience that you want to serve because you will, the more you post that content generation keeps putting you in front of them. People need to sometimes hear you about seven times to even insert themselves. So when there is a home need, they will think of you why they've been following you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever you're or YouTube, whatever the channel of your choice. But I say, go experiment and have fun with it. That's a huge prediction that that will continue to magnetize people to you even more than just your website and even more than just your logo or your messaging. Would you say that covers your three? Sure. Okay. I was like, I'm not going to say it for you, but if you want to, uh, awesome. Well, you've been a fantastic guest. Guest, it's been awesome to have you on the show. I have so many ideas. I always, by the end of a conversation with a guest, I always have so many ideas like swirling around in my head. I'm like, oh, I have 27 more questions now that I've asked my first 20 questions. So that <laughs> here are all the rabbit trails I want to go down to explore. Um, I'm just so curious. I wanted to ask you if people want to find you, Beth, specifically, where should they go? You can go to fortifiedbranding.com. And you can book a consult with me if you think you really need to or want to dig into elevating your messaging, your design, or your website. Also, like I said, I have a free workbook to be able to download that also is linked here in the show notes um, about being able to nail your elevator pitch. When you do that, you'll be armed with the words to be able to make people say, hey, where do, you, where do I book your services? How do I say yes to you? That's awesome. Fortifiedbranding.com. Um, and if people are looking for you on social stuff, the best place to find you is LinkedIn. Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn, which is either Fortified Branding or Beth Carr. Although there's a lot of Beth Cars, so uh, I would say Fortified Branding to find me. And then um, same thing with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Awesome. Fortified Branding. Awesome. I love the consistency. Uh, Kate, uh, I keep referring back to Kate. Uh, she's just so cool. And um, we're going to have her on the podcast again in the next couple of months. But um, 
she like everything they did was explore the trades, explore the trades.org, explore the trades, ah, oh, explore the trades, like a hundred percent consistency. You have the same thing. So apparently you're both smarter than I am. So damn it. No, you guys are awesome. Beth, thank you so much for the gift of your time. We so appreciate it. It's been awesome to hear all the wisdom that you have been able to drop. And uh, yeah, we just really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. This has been another episode of the Home Service Leaders Podcast. And I hope that this inspires you to take the next step in growing your business. If taking an honest look at your marketing and getting a no-strings-attached plan sounds like the right next step for you, email me at nathan at moreleadsonline.com or just text 219-315-6476 and say HSL. Thanks for listening. Go kick some ass.